Mark Cuban. Going against the norm and, and looking for people who had great ideas is, is really what I look for as opposed to individuals mentoring me. David Stern. Thank you. Those are very kind and generous words. I greatly appreciate them and thanks for having me on. Jeannie Bus. Thank you for having me. What a nice turnout. It's good to see everybody. Chris Everett. It was very interesting. You asked great questions, so thank you very much, Brian. Damian Lillard. That was for Seattle. <laughs> <laughs> Maria Taylor. Oh, thanks, Brian. I appreciate it. And your preparation shows you. Tim Howard. Well, I appreciate you saying I look forward to catching up with you again soon. Just to name a few. Welcome to Sports Business Radio. Now, here's Brian Berger. Well, thanks for joining us on this week's edition of Sports Business Radio. It's presented by ZipRecruiter. ZipRecruiter is so effective that four out of five employees who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day. Right now, you can try ZipRecruiter for free. My listeners can go to ZipRecruiter.com slash SBR. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. Great show lined up for you this week. Nate Burleson, I love this guy. He is absolutely killing it. Played 11 years in the NFL with the Vikings, the Seahawks, and the Lions. Now he's the co-host of Good Morning Football on the NFL Network. He's part of the NFL Today on CBS. He's also a broadcaster on Extra Extra on Extra TV. Uh, really looking forward to this conversation with him. He's just uh, got a great personality. He's one of those guys like Michael Strahan that can go back and forth between sports casting and entertainment with his role on Extra. Uh, and we'll talk about the latest with the NFL CBA, get his thoughts on that. The other person who will join me is John Orand. He is the media reporter for the Sports Business Journal. Tony Romo has a new $17 million a year deal. If the NFL signs with CBS, which is expected to happen, and Romo's deal grows to 10 years, he's going to make more as an analyst for CBS than he did playing quarterback for the Dallas Cowboys. How about that? Uh, I'm joined in studio by our producer, Brian Griggs. Griggs, uh, we're successfully so far avoiding the coronavirus, but, yes. uh, you know, it's interesting. All these teams, NBA sent out a memo to its teams this week. A lot of the leagues are talking about, you're, you're talking about gathering large masses of people in these arenas and stadiums, uh, NCAA tournament, the Olympics. These are all huge events that could be impacted by the coronavirus. Yeah, it's really interesting. You, you have events like this that, you know, in, in the U.S., as far as terms of people getting it, it's it's low, but the preparation and the talk about it and just the, the buzz on social media about it, it's bringing like the whole nation together. Like we're all kind of waiting for the next tweet, you know, next case found, next case found. It's kind of interesting to see how this is bringing everything together. And I, like you said, with the NBA and, you know, not signing autographs and doing fist bumps and stuff like that. It's, it's kind of interesting how the leagues have, uh, have uh, taken this too. So I follow Rex Chapman on Twitter. Great follow. Um, he put out a tweet. It's a video of a guy who's at like Whole Foods or whatever, who's in the soup section. The guy goes yeah. up and gets the ladle, tastes the soup, <laughs> puts the ladle back into the soup. Are no. you kidding me? So for anyone out there who doesn't want to spread the coronavirus or just make others sick, or how about just be a, a cleanly person who, uh, you know, isn't going to uh, be rude? <laughs> Don't taste from the ladle and put it back in. If you're on an airplane like I was this weekend, don't cough all over people. I mean, I swear, I feel like I'm a little bit Larry David here yeah. from Curb Your Enthusiasm, but just be more self-aware. Yeah. I mean, How is hard it, is it? it? How hard is it? <laughs> just be self-aware. And I feel like people aren't self-aware. They're wiping their snot all over the place. They're coughing on you. Yeah. They're... Tasting from ladles and putting it back in the soup thing. <laughs> I mean, it's just common sense, some of it. But yeah. here's my here's my Larry David advice to the listeners. Just be self-aware. <laughs> and I think we're all going to be okay. I'm not one of those people that freaks out about stuff. And, you know, I think we're still going to have the Olympics and we're all going to be fine. Yeah. But, you know, just be self-aware. So I told you I was on a plane. I went down to Los Angeles on Saturday. I, I literally went down for the day, and this was super important to me. So uh, some of you may or may not know, I was one of the radio broadcasters for that special 1989-90 Loyola Marymount basketball team, the team that 
uh, is the highest scoring college basketball team ever. They went to the great eight and they're mostly known for Hank Gathers was an incredible player. He led the nation in scoring and rebound. He, he collapsed and died during a game. And I was calling that game with my colleagues, Keith Foreman and Eric Johnston. So the 30 year reunion of that team took place on Saturday at LMU in Los Angeles. And also they unveiled a Hank Gathers statue, which is absolutely stunning. I mean, it's just beautiful. And it's long overdue in, in my mind, but went down for the day. And it was really cool because if you followed this story after Hank died suddenly on the basketball court, there were all kinds of lawsuits. The Gathers family sued the school. They sued doctors who came out of the stands. There was a lot of turmoil. Well, it's all been put to rest and everyone's getting along fine now. And 30 years later, I can't believe it's been 30 years, but 30 years later, Here's this statue that's unveiled. And Lucille Gathers, Hank's mom was there. His brothers were there. Hank's son, Aaron Crump, was there. It was a special, emotional day. Lucille's Gathers, you know, started crying when they unveiled it. And and as a parent now myself, because I wasn't a parent when Hank died, that hurt never goes away. So I felt for her because Hank is still her baby and he's gone. And That was an emotional moment, but it was really great to connect with Coach Paul Westhead, who was the coach of that team, and oh, by the way, also has won an NBA and WNBA title. I really am hoping sometime this year to go sit with him and do like a 90-minute interview with him for Sports Business Radio. Um, And then I was interviewed, Griggs, uh, by Chris Conley, who I've always respected. Chris Conley uh, used to be on MTV. He's been on ESPN. He has worked the red carpet at the Oscars. I walk into this locker room at LMU, and the producers had said, hey, we want to talk to you because you were part of this team and had a front row seat to history and all this stuff. So I walk in thinking they're just going to pick my brain. I'm not going on camera or anything. And they sit me down, and Chris Conley's interviewing me. And I was like, this is pretty cool. I, I really like Chris Conley. And uh, it's going to be on E60 on ESPN on, I think, March 24th. I'll, I'll put it out on Twitter, at SB Radio, the exact date and time and stuff. But, uh, you know, usually I'm the one conducting yeah. interviews. But Chris Conley interviewed me, and he's really good. Yeah. And, you know, you see why he's been as successful as he has been. But uh, it was good to take part in that interview and, and really take people back 30 years ago. And, Griggs, you're helping me. I brought you kind of the holy grail. Uh, yeah. ESPN asked me... Do you still have the tapes of your calls from 30 years ago? So I fly home. I go rummaging through my garage. <laughs> and in a box, I found our cassette tapes Yeah, from 30 years ago. I've listened to them. They sound great. The quality is great. And you are going to help me digitize these, not only so we can give some of them to ESPN, but I've had so many people over the last 30 years say, hey... We want to go back and listen to those broadcasts. And, you know, since most people don't have cassette players anymore, yeah. <laughs> it's been a little bit tough. Exactly. I, I had to literally go buy a cassette player in order <laughs> to listen to the tapes to see, you know, if there was something that was still on the tapes. And there was, and it sounds great. But uh, this is going to be exciting because now we'll digitize this so people who want to go back and listen to the LMU games at LSU, LSU at Oregon State – uh, and in the NCAA tournament that year, where the Lions had such a magical run, they're going to be able to listen to these broadcasts of ours on KXLU radio in Los Angeles. So uh, I'm excited. Yeah, it's pretty cool, too. I mean, you think 30 years ago when you went into that gymnasium to sit down and do, do a game, right. you never think you'd be talking about it 30 go- years later. Pretty no, crazy. No, you don't. I mean, I knew that was a special team, but yeah. Hank dying took right. it to right. a historic level, and the the following of people around the country. I mean, you can go anywhere in the world and mention that 1989-90 Loyola Marymount team that averaged 122 points a game, which is still an NCAA record. I mean, I watched on YouTube last night the LSU-LMU game from February of 1990 with a 18-year-old Shaquille O'Neal playing center for LSU. All right. And... You go back and you're like, oh, my God, this was 30 <laughs> years ago. 
And Hank Gathers put up 48 points against Shaq and Stanley Roberts. If wow. you, if you don't know who Hank Gathers is, please go onto YouTube or onto Google and learn about him. He was an incredible basketball yeah. player, but he had the heart of a lion. He was six foot seven and Shaq had 11 block shots in that game. He set an <laughs> LSU single season record and most people like me, I would have been like saying, Coach Westhead, take me out. Yeah. Like, put me on the bench. Or I would have been taking outside shots. Hank kept going in the paint and wound up putting up 48 points against two seven-footers, one of which was Shaq. And that's all you need to know about who Hank Gathers was. This guy was tough. He was Philly tough. And... uh it was great, but I'm looking forward to seeing what ESPN E60 does with the piece they're doing uh, on Loyola Marymount. It was a special day to be in Los Angeles and be a part of that and to see Bo Kimball and Coach Westhead and Terrell Lowry and Brian Quinn, who was the athletic director. And, you know, I was with that team a lot, too. I was on all the bus rides, on all the plane rides. I played cards with the guys. We were all students. I was at the student radio station. And... As I've said many times, I've been around a lot of events, a lot of teams. I've never been around anything as special as that 1989-90 Loyola Marymount basketball team. All right, coming up next, Nate Burleson, former NFL wide receiver, played 11 years for the Vikings, the Seahawks, the Lions. He is absolutely killing it in Act 2 with broadcasting, with business He's really managing everything well. He's going to join me. And then later on, John Oran from the Sports Business Journal will talk about the sports media landscape with him. You're listening to Sports Business Radio. We'll be right back. Hiring is challenging. Just ask the New England Patriots who may be needing to hire a new quarterback if Tom Brady leaves. But there's one place you can go where hiring is simple, fast, and smart. A place where growing businesses connect to qualified candidates. That place is ZipRecruiter.com slash SBR. ZipRecruiter sends your job to over a 100 of the web's leading job sites, but they don't stop there. With their powerful matching technology, ZipRecruiter scans thousands of resumes to find people with the right experience and invite them to apply for your job. You can even add screening questions to your job listing so you can filter candidates and focus on the best ones. ZipRecruiter is so effective that four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day. And right now, to try ZipRecruiter for free, my listeners can go to ZipRecruiter.com slash SBR. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash SBR. ZipRecruiter.com slash SBR. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. Joining us now on the Blinder Guest Line is Nate Burleson. You can follow him on Twitter at Nate Burleson. Former 11-year NFL wide receiver, he played with the Minnesota Vikings, the Seattle Seahawks, and the Detroit Lions. Now, he's the co-host of Good Morning Football on the NFL Network. He's part of CBS's coverage of the NFL on the NFL Today. He's also a broadcaster on Extra Extra on Extra TV. Well, Nate, thanks for joining us so much on Sports Business Radio. I love what you're doing with Act 2 of your career. You had a great NFL career, but now you're doing the broadcasting thing. At what point during your NFL career did you start thinking about what you wanted to do post-career? I would say middle of my career, um, closer to the end. Uh, you know, I was the, the flamboyant player who was articulate, uh, always spoke well after big wins, and I had something to say after we lost games. So the media, it kind of gravitated towards me. Um, but towards the end of my career, it was a crossroads. You could be the guy with the cliches and all of the phrases, uh, make everybody laugh, smile, and giggle. Uh, but, you know, if if you really want to take it seriously, you're going to have to kind of take a leap of faith. And I did that with the broadcast boot camp. And the broadcast boot camp did a couple of things for me. It One, it, it gave me a little bit of encouragement um, that I, I was a standout and I was a little bit different uh, because they picked one guy during the weekend um, who uh, kind of stood out amongst the, the group, and I was that dude. But another thing it did, and more importantly, it um, it showed me that I didn't know much about the craft and the art of being on TV, uh, about being a media personality. Um, I learned so many different things uh, that I didn't know. You know, it's one thing to be able to answer a question um, and to interview a guy, but, you know, doing color commentating and, and writing scripts, reading the prompter, uh, 
body language, being concise with your point, uh, trying to regurgitate information that you studied the night before without having to uh, look at your notes. All these little subtleties that I realized I was a novice at. Uh, I think that was the biggest motivational factor for me because it kind of made me feel like a rookie again, which I haven't had that feeling in uh, almost a decade at that point. Uh, So once I, I got done with the boot camp, I remember them saying, uh, as we were all checking out, uh, so either you're going to be all in or you're going to be all out. Uh, this isn't one of those jobs where you can uh, get paid by a network and skate your way through. I mean, because if you don't do the work, you'll get exposed quickly. So from there, um, I started to take it seriously, and that's when I realized the act two of my career would start with me going into TV and the NFL Network was my first landing spot. Yeah, I just think you've done a great job. I love the personality that you bring not only to the uh, NFL on CBS studio, but also on NFL Network. So you've got the toe drag swag. You've got the burr lesson. By the way, could you have a longer pointer for the burr lesson? I mean, I I, I love the old school pointer. I really wanted to feel like a professor on that (laughs) I went to Catholic school and, you know, the nuns used to use the pointer with the chalkboard. Yeah. So when I saw you doing that, I'm like, oh, my God, that's old school right there. Yeah, you're right about that. I went to Catholic school, too, uh, in high school, so I, I know what you're talking about. Um, but, you know, when it comes to the Burl lesson and toe drag, you know, I, I really wanted to brand something, um, something that um, I could, you know, take with me, whether I was on the NFL Network or not. And it will be attached to my name versus being attached to a show. Um, the Burl lesson was something we came up with together. Um, the, the, the brain trust that we use when trying to create segments. And then Toe Jack Swag, um, that was something that I trademarked when I was still playing. Smart. I caught a ball on the sideline in a game and I hashtagged it and I just started saying it a lot. And, and every time it happened, uh, people would hit me up and tag me on social media. And once that happens uh, more than the average amount of times, I immediately, you know, start thinking like a businessman. So I did that with uh, Toe Drag, and I also did that with Lion Bud, which was uh, something that I created during my time in Detroit because I played for the Lions, of course, but uh, I'm, I'm a Leo. So I kind of I looked at myself as this king of the jungle before I actually signed with Detroit, and it was only fitting that I created the brand out there. And uh, once I trademarked it, it was uh, it was a rap from there. People were very interested in my brand. Speaking of rap, you also do the NFL recap rap music video. You're not bad. Uh, who's the best rapper in sports right now, other than you? <laughs> Damian Lillard. Okay. Uh, that yeah, see, I'm in like Portland, it. so you yeah, know, oh, Dame, yeah, yeah, of course. And Dame yeah, Dollar's been on, he's been on this show. Like we're we're probably partial to him, but I think he's the best yeah. rapper in sports. No, no, he is, no doubt, man. You know, me being a Seattle guy, I, I, I love everything Pacific Northwest-based uh, all the way down to Oregon. So, you know, I, I grew up watching the Trailblazers, man, and Brandon Roy, of course, being one of my homies. Yep. He had some good Portland days. So, um, But, yeah, Damian Lillard, he's the best, uh, he's the best rapper right now because he's, he's, um, he's lyrical. Uh, he also understands the art of being a rapper. And I think the most important trait that he has is that he doesn't need to curse up a storm or right. say the N-word a thousand times for the song to actually resonate. So uh, I'm, I'm a I'm a big fan of poetry. I write more poetry than I actually write lyrics. So um, when I hear an artist and it sounds like poetry to me, it usually get a thumbs up, and Damien's one of those dudes. I, like my goal is to get on the track with him. I mean, he does it a little bit more consistently because he has more time, but um, I'll, I'll, I'll eventually... Uh, get in contact with them and then uh we'll, we'll do something together i'm gonna release an album here at the at the end of this year so i think it'll put more people on notice because i've been doing stuff in the sports realm i'm going to release an album that that is non-sports related so people really get to see what i'm made of i want to see that happen and if you need any help you know i've got some ties into to dame dollar and uh you know okay, I, okay shoot him a text and tell him i said what's up i, I well, uh, once once i once i record my first single i'll send it over to you and you can get it to his people. Okay. I, I really want this to happen because uh, the other thing is he's a big NFL guy. Like, he loves the Raiders, so maybe you get him doing some stuff with you on the NFL recap rap music video the next time you do that. Yeah, if I'm not mistaken, he's a Bay Area guy, right? He is, yeah. He, uh, Raiders yeah, guy. And my family, 
my family, uh, mom and dad, are from San Francisco. So, it, you know, it all comes full circle. All my roots are in the Bay as well. All right, we're going to make this happen. So the other thing you're doing in addition to covering sports, like I mentioned, you're you're doing stuff for Extra TV. I've seen you on the red carpet. I saw your recent interview with David Beckham. A lot of guys, you know, like I'm friends with Kevin Frazier, too. He, he started at ESPN. Now, you know, he's on Entertainment Tonight. It's got to be fun for you to kind of dip into both worlds. Yeah, Kevin's one of my big bros. Um my first major interview that I landed was because of Kevin Frazier. I was uh, at Super Bowl 50, I believe, which was in Santa Clara. Okay. And um, I get a call, and they're like, hey, you know that Lady Gaga is uh, singing the national anthem. We uh, we want you to interview her. And I'm like, well, why me? Like, this is random. And it wasn't on my schedule for the week. So, like, well, this is something I wish you guys would have told me I could prepare for. And they're like, well, listen, um, Kevin Frazier was supposed to do it, and uh, because he didn't uh, have the time, he gave us a list of names of who should do it instead of him, and yours is at the top of the list. And I was like, what? wow. So, um, so yeah, that was the, the first big interview I landed in. Um, I quickly, you know, I, I, I wrote up some questions, and I wanted it to be different. And uh, what I did is each question that I asked her, um, I had – song lyrics weaved into the questions so wow uh, but they were subtle though so they were really subtle it wasn't like obvious you know um i didn't take a song title and just put a question mark at the end i weaved in very subtly and and right around question two or three she kind of cocked her head took a breath looked at me and she was like huh and i was like what and she said you really did your work i was like well what did you expect and she's like no it's just different you know, and that's the whole point. I wanted it to be different. So, uh, you know, I have a different way of seeing the world. I have a different way of articulating it once I, I try to, uh, you know, explain things to people. And I, I take that same type of concept when I'm interviewing folks. Uh, but, yeah, extra, it, it came off of moments like that. It was Gaga, then it was Timberlake. And I think they saw those interviews and they, they realized, like, I wasn't just a football player. And I'm interested in all these things. I love movies. I love music. I love pop culture. Uh, you know, and I, I did interview J-Lo in 2019, which was big. You know, everybody's a fan of J-Lo. And um, the same thing happened with her. She 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 walks in, and I introduce myself. Hey, how you doing? My name is Nate. Um, you know, I, I did football uh, for quite some time, but now I'm transitioning into the entertainment space. She's like, really? And I'm like, yeah. So uh, just bear with me if I'm, ter- if I'm nervous at all. She's like, oh, you'll be fine. So then I'm looking at the cameras. I'm like, all right, so I'll be coming out on a one shot. Uh, make sure the boom mic is out of the frame. Is the two shot to my right? And she's like, well, uh, if you if you just started doing TV, how do you know all the terminology? And I'm like, well, I didn't start doing TV. Uh, now I, I've done it for a handful of years. She's like, no, I don't think I don't think you played in the NFL. I was like, what do you mean? She's like, she's like, you just you're too calm. And then I kept talking. I'm like. Yeah, well, maybe that's just my demeanor. And I said, all right, five, four, three, two, one. And she's, she's like, oh, my God. So then like halfway, through the, halfway through the interview, she stops me. and Because, um, once again, my questions are a little unique, a little different. And I, have, I, I always have note cards with me, but I never look at them. They're just study sheets. You know, it's like getting ready for a test. You can't cheat while you're taking the test. So um, halfway through the interview, which I was supposed to get five minutes, and she, uh, her handler – sees that J-Lo's having a good time and has a smile on her face. She's like, keep going, keep going. So halfway through the interview, she stops and she's like, wait, 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 wait. There's no way you played football for 10 years. <laughs> I, I took it as a compliment, but I also took it as a, a, a backhanded compliment because it's like, what do you say, all football players are, are, are dumb jocks, um, which, you know, it could be true in some cases. So I kind of laughed about it and I was like, yes, I did. Um, but I also did my work before I, I sat down with you. So, uh, here we are, and it was just—it was a great moment, and it was also one of those moments where all of the people that were there on site for extra, because um, they're all getting to know me too, um, they were—they were a little blown away because they haven't seen me in that space before. Right? They were curious to see how I was going to relate to uh, quote unquote celebrities. So there's been some really good. Al Pacino, he—he uh, he stops me in the beginning of my introduction and says, "I know." I know who you are. And I'm like, what? 
He's like, yeah, I know you are. You you do you do the Sunday with with, with Cowher and Sam's. You do the you do the week the weekly every day every day on the network. And I was like, what is going on right now? I had to look at the camera and I said, cut the camera for a second. And of course, they kept it rolling. I said, Al, seriously, do you know who I am? And he's like, yeah, yeah, I'm a big big football, big football. And uh, and I'm flipping out. I'm flipping out. And uh, you know, I I, I give him a hug and. I told him that was like a moment for me, and then I, I do the interview. But those are uh, that's what that's why I have this extra job. You know, my wife is like, you don't need more jobs. Like, what are you doing? My mom and dad, uh, you know, they're all they're all sitting there saying, Nate, you're the last person who needs to add something to the plate. But it, it breaks up the monotony of talking about football, which it seems like I've been doing it my whole life, which I, I really have. Thank you. Well, and I think you just brought up a really good point, which is the prep, right? As a as an elite athlete, you've got to prepare for games. And the prep that you're doing now for these interviews and being unique, it's the same thing. It's just a different line of work. Yeah, yeah, it really is. And if you take the same type of approach, um, the results will always exceed expectations. Um, but, you know, it's funny because I could – Towards the end of my career, I became comfortable. I would say playbook is comfortable. Uh, I knew every playbook. You know, even when I came to teams, you know, playing against since I was eight, played in the NFL for a decade. So year 10 and 11, it wasn't like I, I stayed up in the meetings and, and had to be extremely attentive because every play, every defense, every player I saw, so I knew techniques. And I was more of a teacher to young guys than I was a student still trying to run the game. Uh, but even, like, now... I, I I pay attention to the study habits that I need to have for uh, entertainment and what I do on Sunday with CBS. And I, I, I oftentimes think, well, even if towards the end of my career, I added some of these study habits to my uh, career, would, would my shelf life would have been even more. You know, instead of 11, maybe I play 13 or 14 years. Maybe I pull a leg for Gerald, you know. So um, it, it's, it's, uh, it's a fun space to be in right now because – uh, it, it parallels what I went through in football, which I, I tell people all the time. Uh, life just repeats itself. Uh, it just it just disguises itself as something else. You're listening to Sports Business Radio. We'll be right back after this. When it comes to stadiums and the fan experience, every sports pro knows wireless wins. And when it comes to the best wireless technology for your venue, look no further than Boingo Wireless. Boingo is your wireless partner for the 5G era. Boingo is the largest operator of indoor wireless networks in the U.S., providing state-of-the-art cellular and 5G-ready networks that power amazing fan experiences. And Boingo makes keeping your stadium connected easy today and in the future. Thinking about CBRS or 5G? Boingo has you covered. Next-gen stadium tech like mobile ticketing, VR, and micro-betting are all possible with Boingo's 5G solutions that stay ahead of what's next. Here's another kicker. Boingo is simply the best connected experience for your business. Whether the NFL, NBA, MLS, or NCAA, Boingo helps world-class sports venues improve operating efficiencies, deepen loyalty with fans, and generate more revenue. It's a win-win. Boingo powers the connected experience at places like Soldier Field, Vivint Smart Home Arena, State Farm Arena, University of Louisville, and K-State, just to name a few. Kickstart your team's 5G strategy with a free wireless consultation from Boingo. Simply email sbradio at boingo.com and mention this podcast. That's sbradio at boingo.com. Our thanks to Boingo for their continued support of Sports Business Radio. We're excited to showcase how technology is changing the business of sports. Now, back to Sports Business Radio with Brian Berger. I love your work on the NFL today on CBS, and you're like the new school perspective on that show. What's the dynamic like with some of the guys who, you know, are old school and, and they probably look at football a little differently than you do? It, it's good because um, once you earn their respect, they uh, they, they show you love. It's, 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 like, it's funny I keep saying it, but... It, Life does repeat itself. I remember as a rookie, I was trying to impress Randy Moss, and that's all I cared about every day was um, just trying to make him uh, notice me. And 
that was my goal. And before I knew it, because of the work I put in, he was like, yeah, this, this Burleson kid is all right. And, um, and then when I got on the network with uh, CBS and I'm sitting there with Phil Sims and, and Cower and, and Boomer Siason, like they're all sitting back waiting. They're, they're just trying to figure out if I'm for real about this. Right. Um, if I actually know what I'm talking about, am I, am I exactly what they see on good morning football? Cause if you look at good morning football at a glance, we have a lot of fun and sometimes fun can be misinterpreted as a lack of knowledge. So, um, I know that they were waiting to see how much of the game I knew. Did I just know only the wide receiver position? Um, can I speak on both sides of the ball? So what I did is I showed them my versatility right out the gate. I, I showed them that I could talk every position. I could talk special teams. I, I understand what's going on uh, from a coaching perspective. I even understand the business, the business behind football. Um, and I remember uh, uh, Boomer Esiason, my kind of rookie year on NFL Today, um, like a like a vet would. He uh, he leans to me right before we go to. A Patriots game. He's like, don't be nervous. And I'm like, no, I ain't nervous. I'm good. And I'm like, uh, he's like, uh, and this is like right as the producer is saying, hey, all right, five, four. <laughs> and he says, uh, he says, well, this ain't good morning football. And I'm like, yeah, I know. He's like, well, this is about to be 35 million people. You got it, Hoss? And I'm like, yeah, I got it. So, uh, you know, a little bit of a hazing uh, to see if I can handle the pressure. And once the lights came on, I did my thing. And I remember him kind of nodding at me like, you got the juice. I, I, I know you do. And he's been, he's been great. Everybody on that, on that set has been great. They've, they've been probably my biggest champions. You know, Boomer says, man, you're, you're bigger than football. You got to go the straight hand route. I mean, there's so much opportunity and money out there. Like, you, 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 like don't put yourself in a box. And Coach Cowers, he's like the coach I never had. So we're super cool. And James Brown is grooming me to to be the next James Brown. He's and, the OG. Uh, Phil Sims. He's the OG. He's he's like he's like the the uncle, man, that everybody loves. And Phil Sims is uh he's like my big brother. So these guys are awesome, man. They've been great to me. Now, it's really good. I've known James a long, long time dating back to when I was in college and I'm older than you. So, uh That's he my he, guy, man. James is my guy. He's so good at like helping people and shedding light and taking time with you and just being a mentor. Like life. He's good at life, right? Is yeah. Is the best way to put it? Yep. Like, you know, most people don't give that much effort into life. Um, and he does. As much effort as you see on TV, he takes that same energy, walks in a building, and he tries to know everybody's name. And even when he don't, like the normal people, we just, we kind of skate by it, avoid it. We're like, oh, hey, what's up, buddy? How you doing, uh? Pal, what's that? How's your mom doing? But James Brown will sit there and be like, "What is it? Is it? Is it the the Val Val Valerie Valerie? Right? Valerie's your mom's name." And I'm like, "Yeah, yeah, JB. Like, tell Valerie and Alvin I said hi, and your daughter Mia, right?" And I'm like, "Mia, yeah." And he does that to everybody, and it's so impressive because, you know, as humans, like we get very lazy. Um, because it just takes energy to give energy. And James will give that. It takes so much time. It's, it's a reminder. It, it is a reminder because I was that same way as a player. I would sign every autograph. It would drive my wife crazy. If a kid came up to me still to this day, I can't deny him. I don't care how much of a rush I'm in. I don't care where I got to go. Um, I, I can't deny a kid looking up at me, asking me for anything. Um, but then, like, you just get in this workforce, and it's it's everybody just just – powering through the day and it's New York, things move fast and adults don't really talk to adults and you just kind of like high and by and that's just how life goes, but not James. It's almost like he has the remote of life in his hands yeah. and he slows it down. He slows it down. He's like, how are you doing? What's going on? Hey, come over and sit by me. This is what we're doing right here. See that prompter and he's talking to a 12-year-old. You see that prompter right there? So I'm going to read that and then you read the next line. The kid reads it. They could stumble through it, and he's, great job. Hey, listen, man, when you get older, you're going to be really good at this. That kid walks away with a smile on his face, and you think to yourself, I got to do that more often. And what's crazy is in 2010 or 11 or whenever it was when I did the broadcast boot camp, James Brown was there. Hmm. And as a guy in his early 30s, I was basically that kid. 
Right. He brought me over. Hey, how you doing, Nate? You look good, man. You got the look, and I see you got passion for it. And you're clever. You're clever. You got some stuff you need to clean up, but if you really want to do this, you could be really good at this job, man. And I'm sitting there looking, and I'm like, damn, this is James Brown telling me that. He's like, so look me up. If you ever need anything, man, just just let me know, man. I'll always be here for you. And I'm like, thanks, man. He's like, you're awesome this week, man. He's like, good luck with the rest of your career. And remember, man, if you want this gig, just put the work in. You'll be great. And then so many years later, I'm sitting next to him on Sunday. <laughs> crazy. How crazy is that? That is crazy. But, yeah, he connects with people. He really connects with them authentically. And uh, I think that's his charm. So I know we only have a few minutes left. I want to talk to you about some of your business ventures because you're doing a lot of things as an entrepreneur as well. You're involved with clothing lines. I know you've got your CBD MD recovery. When someone comes to you and they say, Nate, I want you involved with this business venture, what are the boxes that you need to check in order to say yes? Uh, one, is it a company or a brand that I rock with, a company or brand that I'm familiar with, um, a company or brand that people within my circle um, use, like, or can appreciate. That's the first and foremost. Um, secondly, it, it's something that I could see myself promoting, advertising, or using without feeling like um, I'm cheating myself. Uh, because you see oftentimes you'll hear an ad on the radio or see a commercial, and you're like, did that person really want to do that? Um, so for me, for example, you mentioned the CBD&D. I wasn't a guy that grew up smoking weed. I didn't, even when it became less taboo and it was more medicinal and guys were using it in the most therapeutic of ways, I just didn't grow up around it to where it was something I leaned on. So um, when they approached me, I thought it was, I was a good character study. Um, and and they, it, it, it showed me how I responded to it um, in, a, in a physical sense, a, a stress level sense, mental sense. Um, so, uh, I was like, yeah, you know what? I want to try this with the amount of jobs that I have, the lifestyle I live, uh, the amount of injuries that, um, I had over the course of my career. Let's see if this stuff works. So before I actually signed anything to jump on, I had them send me product and I was like, well, let me try this. And once I tried it, I'm like, oh, this is legit. Like I can, I can feel this. Um, and this is a real product that I can benefit from. And from there, that's when I made the decision to work with them. So I, I have a checklist of all of those. Things. Money is the last thing. Um, I'm blessed enough, and this isn't me bragging. I'm just blessed enough to where when I played, I was able to invest my money properly. And I don't necessarily need to go out and bend over backwards um, and lose integrity to promote a brand just for a check. So um, the money will always be the last thing that I negotiate because there's so many other things that matter beforehand. Now, that's a good position to be in. Before I let you go, I want to tackle a few NFL topics with you that are prevalent. And I really wanted to ask you this because, again, you played 11 years in the NFL. There's the CBA negotiations going on right now. And there's a proposal in front of the players. And, you know, you've seen guys like J.J. Watt and Aaron Rodgers say they would vote no on the proposal as currently constructed that the owners have passed on. There's a lot of nuances here, but if you were still a player, what do you think of the current proposal that has been given to the players? I'm not mad at it. You know, I understand where J.J. Watt, Aaron Rodgers, Russell Wilson, I understand where they're coming from. You know, these are individuals that have played for quite some time and an extra grand to them. Um, it's something that they see as unnecessary, which I get 100%. But when you think about the extra opportunity to play another game, which for younger guys or guys who aren't established, that's a chance for them to prove their worth. Um, speaking of worth, there's more money involved. And for J.J. Watt, Aaron Rodgers, Russell Wilson, these guys, I mean, these are, you know, 100 millionaires at this point of their career on and off the field. So they don't need that extra game check. Right. But for a guy who's 53rd on the roster, who has three kids and a wife and is, is living check to check, uh, trying to figure out, um, you know, how to take that next step financially. That's a big deal. Um, and not to mention they, they talked about only doing three preseason games and using that last week of preseason to give an extra week of prep slash rest for the players. So I think it's a good trade-off. Um, 
and, and I understand where I understand where guys are coming from. I just I just would encourage the guys that spoke out so quickly to think about the last dude on the roster because none of these guys are pulling a check out of their bank account and giving it to the last 15 dudes on the roster saying, hey, man, I know we fought against that extra paycheck that you guys would have got, but here you go. This is what you – like, they're not doing that. So you can't really speak on that extra game. And then on top of that, like, when your quarterback's like – it's different than J.J. Watt speaking on it because J.J. Watt's in the trenches and he's been banged up. I get it. I understand, bro. Another game where you're fighting against a grown man who's trying to trying to bend you over backwards so his, his running back can gain a first down, I get why you're talking about it. But when it comes to that extra game for Russell Wilson or Aaron Rodgers, and these are two of my favorite quarterbacks. I constantly talk about them. Um, so much so people think I actually play with them. But they, they, don't, get as, they don't get hit as much. The, the rules have changed, so... In a Week 17 game, it's highly likely that those guys might not even be on the field, you know. And if they are, it's highly unlikely that they're going to get hit a ton. So uh, I, I just think the big money guys should think about um, what the guys that are making less are going through. It's it's like society. You don't want the richest people in the world to um, to decide what happens financially for the middle and lower class. Do you ever think I come from the NBA background where Chris Paul, the president of the union and, you know, LeBron James, they went to the owners and they said, we need lifetime health insurance for retired players. They got it. Do you ever see that happening in the NFL? Eventually, I think so. Um, it, it needs to happen um, with the amount of money that the league is making. What I think they were. The league was valued at fourteen point five billion in two thousand eighteen. The numbers for two thousand nineteen haven't come out, but I believe by twenty twenty seven, the league is going to be worth twenty plus billion dollars. So, yeah, they can afford it, and they should. Um, You know, we put so much on the line that uh, we should be covered, and not just us. It should be the wives and kids of every player. Right. You know, maybe maybe it's four years in, you know what I'm saying? So, uh, but but I, I definitely believe that should be the case. And, and the big voices, big names, um, the big superstars in our league should be at the forefront of that, you know, because uh, their voices reverberate a lot louder than retired players or the guys that aren't as big names. Nate Burleson, you can find him on Good Morning Football on the NFL Network. You can find him on the NFL Today on CBS, and you can find him on Extra. You can also find him on Twitter, at Nate Burleson. Nate, I'm not just saying this. I've heard about you for a long time. Even when you were playing, people are like, he's going to be a really good broadcaster. If I'm buying stock today, I'm buying your stock over Michael Strahan's stock. And it's nothing against Michael Strahan. I just think you've got all kinds of great potential and you're doing a great job. And I'm really excited that you joined me on Sports Business Radio today. I appreciate you joining me, man. Thank you. And and since you're an NBA guy, listen, I'm an NBA guy too. So we got to do this again and talk NBA. And we can take it back to the 80s, 90s, of course what's happening now but I, I love basketball here's something people don't know i love basketball more than i love football and I, I turned down more basketball scholarships than i did uh for football to play wide receivers so i watched the nba religiously it's my favorite sport my brother kevin coaches for the minnesota timberwolves so um yeah we got to talk nba at some point you got a deal nate burleson thank you so much you're listening to sports business radio we'll be right back One word you wouldn't typically associate with a dress shirt is comfort. However, the folks over at Mizzen in Maine are changing this. Their shirts are incredibly comfortable. Mizzen in Maine makes dress shirts for men that fixes everything that's ever been wrong with shirts for so long. Their shirts breathe, stretch, and wick away moisture. It's like athletic wear disguised as a dress shirt, making them great for travel. They've taken the hassle out of looking great through wrinkle resistance and the ability to wash your shirts at home. No more last-minute ironing. No more after-work trips to the dry cleaner. It's a shirt that's worked for thousands of customers, including hundreds of professional athletes like J.J. Watt and Phil Mickelson. And guess what? Mizzen in Maine now is making pants. At long last, the Mizzen in Maine performance chino is here 
Everything consumers love about the dress shirts packed into new pants. Business casual just got comfortable. I love my Mizzen and Main pants. It has the same breathability, superior comfort, no pilling. It's awesome. For travel, I don't have to worry about my pants being wrinkled when I take them out of my suitcase, just like my dress shirt. So now I'm covered. I've got the pullover. I've got the dress shirts. I've got the new pants. Go to MizzenandMain.com. Use the promo code SBR. Try out their new pants. I promise you'll love them. That's MizzenandMain.com. Code SBR. My guest is John Oran. He is the terrific sports media reporter for the Sports Business Journal. You can find him on Twitter at Orand underscore SBJ. John, it's been a while. How are you? I'm doing great, Brian. Thanks for having me on again. Yeah, you do such a great job. You are really my number one resource when it comes to following sports media. A big story this week, Tony Romo signs with CBS. Not a surprise to many, and what I've been telling people is he has a really special relationship with Jim Nance. They play golf together, they're true friends, and they have a great chemistry. And for him to go somewhere else, I thought it would take a, a real amazing deal to get him to leave were you surprised he re-signed at CBS? Uh, I wasn't surprised he re-signed at CBS, but uh, I was surprised at the reasons he re-signed at, at CBS. That's $17 million a year, which is you know, uh, probably about more than five times what he made from his, uh, from his starting salary there of about $3 million. Uh, I mean, so I think that he was uh, – he has a great relationship with uh, the people in uh, CBS's production truck. He has a great relationship with uh, Jim Nance. But it appears like he, he was really serious about about uh, moving on to, to uh, ESPN, which is why CBS really ponied up as much money as they did on that. How much of it, if you go to ESPN, I'm assuming they're asking him to do more because they have a lot more platforms covering the NFL than CBS does. How much of it is workload? And I don't have to do quite as much at CBS as I would have at ESPN if I went with them. I'm pretty certain he, he he would have been able to convince uh, ESPN that he doesn't want to do the hits for Get Up in the morning, or he doesn't want to do you know that uh, a hit for you know Sports Center in the afternoon. That he would, if he was going there, he was going to be an analyst for the Monday Night Football games and maybe do a, a hit before the game and a hit after the game, and that's uh, that's pretty much it. So what he's doing at CBS is just the games. It's just football. A lot of speculation about whether whether or not he was going to do golf, and that was not part of this deal whatsoever. It's really just doing you know 17 regular season games a, a year a million dollars a game brian i can i can get into that man no kidding and and the thing that's been interesting to follow is the tweets from current nfl players who are talking about the kind of money he's going to make in some cases more than they're making and he doesn't even have to put on football pads i believe he made more than this only two years that he was a quarterback for the dallas cowboys one of the highest profile gigs in in, in the nfl it really is the, the amount of money that he's getting paid, I find to be just breathtaking. I mean, no other no other announcer has really even approached this in, in, in terms of just doing, you know, like I said, 17 regular season games and a handful of playoff games. So if you're Troy Aikman or Chris Collinsworth, do you go to your network or do you go to your agent and say, if he's getting $17 million, I need X? What do you do there? In fact, I would think that they've already done that. And the problem with Troy Aikman and Chris Collinsworth is Tony Romo, it was a perfect storm that he encountered. He, he ended up, his contract was up right before CBS and ESPN were going uh, to, to uh, negotiate new rights with, the, uh, with um, the NFL. ESPN had spent the past two seasons having its uh, Monday Night Football broadcast really just killed in, in, in the press uh, pretty much. And it was just this perfect storm of these two networks that were desperate to keep Tony, Tony Romo. And so it's going to be beneficial to somebody like Aikman or somebody like Collinsworth if there's another network out there that is willing to bid for their services when their contract comes up. But that's a, that's a big question. I have, I, have a, I have a feeling that this is a, it's something that they're going to agitate for, but this feels to me like an anomaly. Peyton Manning has been the white whale that ESPN and others supposedly have been chasing 
what would it take to get him to say, okay, I'll do this? Because he's done the detail for ESPN. He's done, you know, dip his toe in the water a little bit. But from everyone I've talked to, he doesn't want to do something more full time. And there's not really any amount of money that could get him to do that. But are the networks still going to make a run at him? I think the networks are still going to make a run at him. And the networks just feel like at some point they're going to wear him down. At some point he's going to say, yeah, you know what? I'll I'll, I'll try it. Try it out. The, the, the farther he gets away from from his playing career, and I I think that you know if he takes a look at what Tony Romo is making, he doesn't need the money certainly. But that's a that's a like I said a breathtaking amount of money. So I so I, I don't expect that he's going to do it next season. Maybe not the next season after that. But like in five years, ten years, at at some point he might decide that that he wants to uh, uh, lace him up metaphorically. That's the one where his wife says, "Well." Twenty million a year is pretty good, Peyton. Uh, I think we need to think about that because you know, if if a network's going to get Peyton Manning now, they're going to have to pay more than Tony Romo just got to get him, right? Uh, I'm, not, well, I'm not sure what, what what that would be. I know that uh, the New York Post had just reported that CBS offered um, Peyton something in the sort of twelve to uh, twelve ten to twelve million dollar range, so um, you know, five million less than, than Tony Romo got. So I'm not sure if they would. He, Tony Romo, again, is, it just feels like an anomaly to me. So I'm not sure if he'd get up there, but he would get a pretty penny, certainly. All right, so here's the other question I really wanted to ask you. Who are the Plan B candidates for ESPN who seem to be wanting to move away from their current Monday Night Football broadcast team? If it's not Peyton Manning and Drew Brees is going back to the Saints, is it Jay Cutler? Is it someone else? Like, who is the Plan B for everyone? You know, Philip Rivers. Is uh, hmm. also most likely going to play. Yeah. Um, uh, who's a tight end for Carolina? Why am I blanking on Greg Olson? Greg Olson yep. is, uh, is uh, going to play again. So there are all these sort of options that are out there. So um, that 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 are not out there rather. So ESPN has a, a a couple of things it could look at. There's Kurt Warner who does radio, and he's a you know a, he's a Hall of Famer who is you know uh, pretty good on like he would be what they what people consider a safe pick. They could kind of continue the way they are and just wait a couple of years until somebody high profile like a, like a Drew Brees uh, retires, and then they could go after somebody like that uh, to, to get it. Um, I have heard talk that they've they've considered uh, moving their number one college football uh, booth, uh, Chris Fowler and Kirk Herbstreit, over to the uh, hmm. NFL. Um, that carries some risk. They're so identified with college, but they feel like they have a very deep bench when it comes to calling college football games that uh, that they can afford to uh, to, to move that number one um, analyst position over there. And then you have people like you know uh, Lewis Riddick's a name that, that comes up quite a bit. Uh, one of the problems right now in uh, sports broadcasting is you know we mentioned Collinsworth, Aikman, and Romo. And there's not a deep bench after that. You know, you, you, you really are sort of, you know, getting, uh, uh, you're just taking flyers on people once you get once you get past those three. And it's, uh, uh, it, I think that's another, when you talk about the perfect storm, that's another thing that really helped out uh, Tony Romo. Let me give you a name. He's also the other guest on our show this week, Nate Burleson from CBS. I think he's a star, and he's great in the studio right now on the NFL Network and on NFL on CBS, but I think if you put him in the booth, he would translate to that really well, and uh, that's a name I would watch as well. Yeah, I, I agree. I've heard his name come up uh, more than once. I believe he's under contract with CBS, so I don't think that, that he's available for ESPN to come in and try to poach. But uh, he has. If you're buying stock, I think Nate has a ton of upside. Absolutely. Yeah. So the other thing that I wanted to talk to you about uh, a few other things, but the broadcast rights. You know, the NFL broadcast rights are coming up soon, and we've seen that incorporated into the collective bargaining agreement talks. In an ideal world, the NFL has a new CBA, and they can go to the bargaining table with the media rights partners and say, hey, we've got a new CBA locked in for the next 10 years. The NBA rights deal, I think, is up in 2023. Is that right? Uh, I think it goes on a little bit longer than that. It's 24 or 25. I don't know off the top of my head. You've got the NHL. I'm pretty sure it's 2021. MLS is already meeting with partners, as you've reported. Uh, so part of the question here is there's only so many networks. There's only so many platforms. There's only so much rights fee money. 
How does this all play out? Is it like the NFL gets first choice and everyone else is just playing for the scraps? Uh, I wouldn't say that. I think that if it, you have to sort of step back from sports and to just take a look at the broadcast TV business as a whole. And, and you know, it's being driven right now by live sports programming. And so you, you don't have networks really spending as much money on, on, um, on, on series, on fictional, fiction series or sitcoms or drama series, because those are all going to, you know, Netflix or Amazon Prime or Hulu or, or, or wherever. And so you have that money that's coming back into sports. You have advertisers that, that don't, want, don't want to be associated with entertainment programming where you fast forward through the commercials. They'd rather be in a sort of a more of a live environment. So they're, they're willing to pay for that as well. So there, there's a the, the whole business case for uh, for TV networks has changed to such a degree that you know all the, these leagues hold all the cards, and you're going to see leagues even like you know MLS, which really doesn't get huge ratings in the, in the United States, but they're going to command a, a pretty tidy uh, um, a rights fee increase. I, I would expect over what I thought was already a pretty uh, big rights fee. So I became a full streamer a year ago. I love you it. Cut the cord. I cut wow. the cord a year ago, and it's more cost effective. I can have my own programming. I can watch anything I want on demand, other than obviously live sports, which is key, like you just pointed out. But all the people I've talked to from the NFL and the NBA and the WNBA and all these leagues, I am convinced, John, that in the next decade. Satellite TV and cable is going to become like the eight-track cassette tape and the VHS player. I just think it's going to be outdated. And if you look at – you've got kids, I know. I do too. The way they consume right now is on their mobile devices. They are not watching TV, and if they are, they're beaming their mobile devices onto the TV. Don't you have to look at streaming as being the number one way that people consume content in the next decade? Um. I think that's the big question that people are going to look at, and it's it's how far is the cable distribution going to fall to where you know it's still worthwhile for sports to tether themselves to to, to cable. And the question also is, so like I have a you know everything from a twenty year old son to a fifteen year old daughter, and they don't. They, they they don't subscribe to cable. They're like my my sons and daughters are. They, um, I have one daughter in college, a son in college. They don't pay for cable. They probably won't pay for cable. But how do those decisions change when they have kids and they and they want to 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 to, to have something there for the kids? Uh, you know, broadband bundles that 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 um, you know that that make it a little bit more cost effective as well. Um, it, it nobody. You can see where this is headed. It is headed towards toward a streaming world, uh, but nobody knows how quickly that streaming world is going to come in. And I think that's one of the bets that uh, Bob Iger and Disney has made that I find to be the most fascinating. Is you know, if I was running ESPN, I would be doing whatever I could to prop up this cable bundle because it gives you so much money. And they decided, yeah, we're going to try to prop up the cable bundle, but we're going whole hog with Disney Plus and ESPN Plus and trying to you know build up a. Uh, uh, a, a good platform over there on on the streaming rights as well, but uh, everybody everybody thinks that it's going to streaming. I mean, it, uh, nobody has their head in the sand. The only question is how quickly and and how how much can cable sort of uh, stick around. So when you're a league now, let's say the NFL for example, and you're doing your broadcast deals, are you doing more robust streaming deals as well? Like, how soon do you think that all comes into play? Because, you know, they've been on – the NFL has been with Twitter. They've been with Yahoo. They, they've done a few streaming deals. But don't those become more robust in the future? Um, not necessarily with the NFL. The NFL has been uh, – going back to the, the 50s and 60s, they, they've been uh, – uh, They've all, always been broadcast first. And right. That's been their strategy, and I don't see that strategy changing because even with streaming, broadcast TV is free. You know, all you need is an antenna, and 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 you can you can watch it. You can see the most number of people, and that for the NFL has been something that uh, that they've been very happy with. Uh, as cable started to rise, you know, they sold their their package to TNT and then ESPN. Um, as you mentioned, Twitter and Amazon, you know, they, they, have, they have different packages, and they will continue to, to sort of feed those. And if something happens to where 
that you know uh, the the streamers end up getting um, more people watching than broadcast television. You can you can bet that the NFL will go that route, but that's not that's not happening in this next uh, round of rights. Uh, it's probably not happening for the the, the one after it either. But um, um, I, I would expect that the NFL is going to stick with broadcast TV. You mentioned Bob Iger a few minutes ago. He resigned suddenly as CEO of Disney last week. How is that going to impact ESPN, ABC, obviously Disney Plus, a lot of things in the future? Well, he's he's going to stick around for two years, sort of in an executive chairman uh, role. And uh, I think the the, the thing about uh, Iger's retirement is that he really set forth this strategy with uh, with ESPN Plus and Disney Plus and. I don't see that strategy uh, uh, changing or fading away at, at any point. So I think that uh, you know uh, Jimmy Pitaro has a very good relationship with uh, with Iger's replacement, um, and uh, I, I expect that ESPN is going to you know for the foreseeable future, which is really only a couple of years uh, down, down the line, ESPN is going to be fine with this. Uh, but um, but uh, Iger was a, uh, a sports fan, and Iger was a big supporter of ESPN. And uh, Iger was somebody who, you know, really is interested in getting the NFL back. So, I, like he he uh, he sees the value of sports. Uh, I don't I don't know enough about uh, how it's going to look moving forward, but I can't I can't imagine that changing too much in the near future. Yeah, there's been a lot of talk that ESPN ABC wants to make a more aggressive push for the NFL. They would love to have potentially Sunday night and Monday night football, or you know they at least want to be in that Super Bowl rotation. With the new media deal, do you think whoever, you know, now that Bob Iger is going to be not in the picture as much, do you think that will change or do you still expect that they're going to be aggressive in that manner? Oh, they're going to be aggressive. I, they, they want to be in the Super Bowl rotation. Uh, they have said that ABC is going to be a part of any kind of bid that they make. I've, I find it hard to believe that they would be able to poach um, um, Sunday Night Football from um, from NBC where it's been the number one primetime show for a record seven straight years, which is unheard of in television, really, and certainly unheard of for for, for sports. We say it now as though, uh, as though it's always happened, but you know, the first, seven years ago, the first time uh, Sunday Night Football became the uh, the top rated primetime show, it had never been there before. I mean, mm. So it's a, it, it's it, it's really been an amazing run, and I would be really surprised if if I if the NFL ended up taking that away from NBC. How does that work with the incumbent networks who are already covering the NFL? Do they have like an exclusive negotiating window that they have with the NFL to retain, you know, what they're doing already? Or is it just like, all right, we're starting from scratch. Everyone put their bids in. The NFL is so big and so powerful. It holds all the leverage. So Hmm. there's no exclusive negotiating window at all. It's, you know, everybody put their bids in. Uh, I would expect that, you know, Fox with the, the, the sort of uh, Sunday afternoon package, you know, the NFC Sunday afternoon package. That's what they want to keep, and that's probably what the NFL wants. So, so it's it's better to be an incumbent than not. But it's not like you have any sort of advantage in terms of a, a, of an exclusive window. Last question for you. Of course, everyone is talking about the coronavirus and you know the impact it's having potentially on the sports world. The Olympics have been a big part of that conversation. I saw, you know, organizers this week have tried to kind of soften uh, that conversation that the Olympics are still going to happen. But worst case scenario, and you cover sports media, are the executives at NBC right now planning for the catastrophic scenario where these games don't take place this summer in Tokyo? Uh, they're not really saying as much, but I can I can tell you that executives with every single network. Are having meetings all week, all mm. day, <laughs> all, all, all day and all week to try to figure out like how to move forward with this. Down from uh, just send how many people they should send to cover these games to you know to what happens you know what happens if games get postponed or games get canceled, uh, and uh, it's, it's a very real possibility. And uh, and you know I, I think NBC is a. They're they're doing worst case scenarios, they're doing best case scenarios, and I I think they're they're like us, they're just kind of waiting and seeing what's going to happen with it. Yeah, that's got to be. I mean, they're paying NBC's paying. Sorry, Brian, that was a big non-answer to your question. No, 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 no. <laughs> but, but, I mean, look, nobody it, really knows. Yeah, 
It's just I, I, I sit back and reflect and I'm like, God, they're paying billions of dollars and it's such a core piece of the NBC broadcast business, not just for sports, but on the Today Show and all of their platforms. If they don't happen, like, I don't know how you how you pivot from that. That would be crazy. Well, I think they're going to happen. Uh, the question is, like, uh, whether they're going to get postponed. And like, suppose they get postponed to in the middle of the NFL season. That's, mm. that, that, that's not good for uh, for um, uh, NBC. You know, they have they have windows for college football. They have the, those windows for the NFL. It's like they can't afford to do that. Do they get postponed to exactly one year? You know, the, the, in Tokyo. You know, that's not great for Tokyo necessarily. I don't. You know, there there are all these contingency plans. And ESPN, uh, excuse me, NBC, because they pay so much and they're, they're such a longtime partner. They're at the table with the IOC trying to trying to figure this out as well. But so, so they're they're not completely in the dark, waiting for a decision to come. But they don't have the final say. This is totally like speculation here, but I have read some stories that there could be the possibility of you have the Olympics, but you don't have any fans there. You just have the competition, and it's just a TV show, and it takes away you know the risk of more people potentially spreading the virus and maybe the athletes are more likely to go because there's not as many people there. Maybe this just turns into a a complete TV Olympics with no fans on site. Perhaps, but but that's also, you talk to any TV producer, that's the worst kind of TV there is with the sort of atmosphere in the the arena. So uh, that's that's not a great solution for NBC either. Well, John, I really appreciate you joining us on Sports Business Radio. Read John's great work in the Sports Business Journal. You can also follow him on Twitter at, I'll spell it out, O-U-R-A-N-D underscore S-B-J. John, thanks so much. Anytime, Brian. Thanks for having me, man. I can't tell you how many times over the years on Sports Business Radio that a PR person is asked to listen in on my interviews with their CEO, GM, coach, or athlete. They also want to call us in our studio so that we don't have the phone number of the high-profile person who is calling us for our interview. Blinder has developed a technology that solves these issues that have existed for years. Use Blinder's unique technology to connect your athlete, coach, or executive's personal phone for any interview without sharing their private information. Remotely control the phone interviews. Set start and finish times, monitor online or with the Blinder mobile app, and listen to a recording of the call at any time for complete peace of mind. With Blinder, you're finally in control. The system works globally from any phone line. Scheduling a call takes seconds. Customizable push notifications ensure a connection, and no one needs to download anything to make or receive a call. PR people everywhere should be using this helpful technology. Blinder is now the technology we use for the official guest line for Sports Business Radio. Learn how to start your free trial by visiting blinderhq.com backslash sbradio. Now we're talking. Well, that's it for this edition of Sports Business Radio. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks to our show staff, Brian Griggs and Josh Blank. Thanks to our friends at Boingo Wireless for powering our Sports Business Radio Roadshow. Follow them online at boingo.com or on Twitter at boingo. For Brian Griggs, I'm Brian Berger. Have a great week, and we'll talk to you soon right here on Sports Business Radio. This and every SBR podcast is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and your favorite listening app. Follow Sports Business Radio on Facebook, Twitter at SB Radio, Instagram at Sports Business Radio, and online at sportsbusinessradio.com.